Welcome to episode 139 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, John. So today, Dirk, we're going to talk about something that I find a little frightening, which is uh, the topic is hacking the IoT and the escalation of cyber warfare and and power outages. Uh-oh. That's uh, yeah, scary, John. It is. So you referred me to an article uh, that, that I found very interesting. It was about a power outage in the Ukraine in December, where essentially... 80,000 customers were without power. Uh, this is in Western Ukraine. Uh, that The outage was caused by hackers. And this was the first incident known uh, where, where a cyber attack actually caused a, a massive power outage. And this is, you know, very much related to our, our digital lives because now we have all the, you know, utilities uh, online, of course. Uh, I mean, electric power is sort of the ultimate foundation of a lot of our civilization. I mean, we, we take it for granted, but it's powering pretty much everything from, from heating systems to communication systems to you name it. And, yeah. and these, are, these are, you know, life and death situations when you lose power unexpectedly. Yeah. Uh, sometimes in, you know, here in the Northeast of the, the U.S., we, we have some warning when a power outage might come yeah. uh, as a result of a storm. But I mean, this sort of... Uh, a cyber attack, you know, introduces uh, a level of volatility around around power usage that we're certainly not ready for, uh, you know, in the in the U.S. and and in, in a place like Ukraine, I'm, I'm sure it's you know devastating and very cold. Um, so the uh, the malware used was called uh, Black Energy, which of course. Uh, you know, I know very little about malware, but apparently it was delivered via a corrupted Microsoft Word document, which, you know, if that's not a reason to switch to Google Docs, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what is. Yeah. Um, and and even more disturbing, there was a, a second power outage in January at the Kiev airport uh, attributed to this this malware as well. So so this is all sort of setting up a scenario that we've talked a lot about and security experts uh, and IOT experts have have talked a lot about. But now it's becoming becoming real life. Yeah. Uh, there was a television show on a couple of years ago about sort of the end of society when when the power, you know, goes out. I can't recall the name of this this series off the top of my head, but uh, I watched a couple episodes and, you know, the predictions are dire. Dirk, what, what do you make of this? Well, we're a long way from that, right? right we're a long course. way from civilization without any power degrading to a, a jungle, you know, cities overrun by animals. But no, I, I mean, your point that it's things becoming real is right on. I mean, for many years now, uh, we've been warned, you know, and by we, I mean sort of the, the tech intelligentsia has been warned that major utilities such as electric companies um, are on the grid, are um, operating with software systems that are corruptible. And the theoretical attack of the grid being taken down has been floated. Um, you know, logically, I nod my head and saw that as possible. But realistically, I'm like, eh, you know, they're doing things I can't see and I don't understand to prevent that from ever happening. Um, well, enter the Ukraine. Um, certainly they weren't doing things to prevent that from, from happening. Um, 80,000 people were without power for an extended period of time. 
and the you know the computers and the the systems running this one or multiple um, you know um, I don't even know electricity how the the process works enough but I'll call it substations knowing it's wrong we're, we're fried um, so that's what's scary about it right it's it's taking these things that were these almost boogeyman predictions that while on one hand, logically, you're like, okay, yeah, I mean, maybe that could happen. But realistically, you're like, ah, no way. I mean, that's that's never going to transpire. Well, it has transpired. It's it's not theory anymore. It's it's practice and real and, you know, something something that can, can impact us. I mean, from a very local perspective, just looking at myself, um, we had, due to weather um, a few years ago, our home and, and the homes in the area had no power for about two weeks, which was miserable. I mean, it was miserable to the point that after a few days, we just drove out of town. We just left um, close enough to family to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, hotels and motels, um, you know, 20 plus miles away were all fill up. I mean, people left. Um, so, you know, for me, if I, uh, you know, when I own a home from here on out, I'm always going to have a generator of some kind to keep some basic stuff working so that it remains um, habitable. And I mean, it's habitable without electricity, but you don't realize, you know, how nice it is to have a refrigerator. Um, This was in the summer, an air conditioner, um, you know, have some temperature controls um, over the water used for things like laundry and bathing uh, until they're gone. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, um, I mean, that's now we're sort of going into a different, I'm going down a different path with like getting into the, the specifics of not having electricity. But um, no, it's it's you know it's cyber. It's the potential for cyber attacks really um, really exhibited at a large scale and in a way that can can affect us on a, our, our life on a day to day basis. Now, to be fair, there there was this uh, black energy malware that was detected on on uh, uh, U.S. Uh, services, right? And and you know it didn't. Uh, take down, you know, any any sort of U.S. services, despite the fact that you know it was present uh, present on on some machines there. So so you know that makes you feel better about about U.S. Uh, uh, cybersecurity, but at the same time, kind of the distance between um, you know this this fantasy where uh, you know the cyber attack occurs, the distance between that and reality is is sort of closer than than we all think. Which which begs the question: How cautious do we need to be about rolling out uh, industrial systems uh, on the Internet of Things? Now you can isolate systems, and you can um, uh, sort of try your very best to to protect them from uh, from attack. But uh, basically, the the attack surface of the IoT is is quite broad, and there's there's all sorts of different. You know, whether you're talking about the individual device or you're talking about um, uh, you know, aspects of the network that are exposed. There's, there's all sorts of opportunities for, uh, systems that are, that are, that are coming online via the, the internet of things, uh, to be sort of maliciously abused, uh, like this, uh, uh, Ukrainian power system. Mm-hmm. So I think this, this, uh, event is going to bring to the forefront, at least for the for the folks who are planning things like smart cities, who are planning things like municipal services using uh, 
um, IoT technologies who are, who are doing things, you know, for, for manufacturing, uh, you know, to, to take a second look and, and, and to realize, yes, you know, this Ukrainian system might have been, you know, sort of very, very easily exposed. But, um, you know, I don't know how many degrees better off uh, uh, corporate security can be. I mean, you only need to look at the the Sony hack recently where, you know, a lot of sensitive email information was exposed uh, uh, to realize that that corporate security is, you know, some good, not some not so good. Uh, so so as we're in this awkward teenage stage of the IOT where we're sort of getting our legs and yeah. and 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 learning what the world is like, uh, I think there's going to be some some uh, some nasty uh, uh, kind of events to come as as these systems roll out. What's what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, that that so there will be nasty events. And, you know, the question is, will there be few nasty events because things have been locked down properly in advance or will there be many nasty events because we're going to learn more from the school of hard knocks than we might like i mean the the part of it that i'm most concerned about it has to do with implantables you know the the smart city stuff there's not a lot there that can kill people that can hmm. have that type of an impact but i'm i'm concerned about the things that um they could take life by virtue of by virtue of a virtual hack um and i think we're gonna have to be really diligent in protecting against those because it's going to be um, it's going to be ever more seductive to implant things in and on our body to you know for for people with maybe diabetes to regulate um, you know regulate our, our endocrinology um, same I mean regulate endocrinology even for other um, not just diseases but just conditions and, and states of being or you know um, more advanced tools for regulating the heart I mean all these things that a hack could could directly, you know, end up taking a life. We're we're heading heading towards that, and I think there will be moments where hacks do take people's lives, um, and that's that's where it gets really hairy. Yeah, I I, I do think uh, you know just to follow up on that on that point, I I do think that the smart cities have poten- potential for you know. Um, a life and endangering havoc. I mean, you can imagine all the green lights turn on in 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 a city could you know cause cause a significant uh, significant mess uh, pretty quickly if you consider the 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 traffic optimization systems that are sort of part and parcel of uh, a smart city solution. Like we're going to reduce the smog and you know get people to work faster, but at the same time, if you're switching uh, uh, lights on and off. Um, and you know how people drive in Boston anyway, <laughs> so we're 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 likely to be pushing those those signals uh, to begin with. So yeah. so I could see some some frightening scenarios. So I I, I want to um, uh, talk a little bit about the sort of the way our culture and our society is digesting these uh, cyber threats and cyber dangers. Right. This this is you know we, we call the show the digital life, and of course. The digital life is evolving so much more quickly than than uh, you know than than we might expect, and and these uh, you know books uh, you know by science fiction authors like William Gibson, like uh, Neuromancer, for example. There's this underlying uh, uh, understanding of the you know the online and offline culture, like the the way those things intersect in 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 science fiction. There's there's um, a, a certain way of of viewing uh, 
online culture that I don't think that we've 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 quite absorbed as a society. So I don't know whether it's a level of seriousness where where we're not um, sort of equating the the level of danger and you know evaluating it properly, or you know we, we talk about the digital divide, right? The digital haves and the haves not. Mm-hmm. So so I I think there's sort of a varying levels of access and understanding of of what of what you know the online world is like. Uh, you know, additionally, you know, uh, folks like you and I might be very naive about what's present on the dark net, right? The sort of the criminal aspects of, um, of the digital life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we have familiar familiarity with these things in reality. We sort of understand how these things work in the physical world, but the digital world is still patchwork, misunderstood and and from a policy standpoint, from a societal standpoint, I don't think we've fully digested um, uh, the digital life, quite frankly. And 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 I'm almost looking to these these works of science fiction to give us some some kind of grounding, some kind of footing in terms of like how should we be, uh, you know, considering these these uh, these dangerous elements now? Do we need cyber police? God knows. I mean, we, we have we have regular police to sort of uh, uh, patrol the physical world. I mean, how, how do we address, you know, the online environment uh, here when when it's it's really like the Wild West? Yeah, I'm not sure how many of those answers we're going to get from science fiction. I mean, the you know, the, the books that are sort of canonical and predicting some of this stuff are 20 and 30 years old now. So mm-hmm. the realities of these things have changed quite a bit from from the worlds that they were imagining. And there's, there's some interesting things there, but I don't, I don't know that we're going to get so social solutions, um, from, from science fiction in that way. I mean, it's, um, it's still early. And you know, the, the other thing too, is the real world is simple. We can see and understand the real world pretty well with our senses, just going through it to understand, um, this wild west of the, the dark net and, and all of this stuff, um, you know, you need technical skills and training and knowledge. Uh, not just anybody going through the world can understand it and have some intuitive sense of how to react to it and uh, protect themselves from it. And so to me, that's the biggest challenge is that the um, you need so much knowledge and training to compete, participate, protect whatever vector you want to take on it. Um, that it's just a small slice of all people who are able to even contemplate that. And that becomes really dangerous from the standpoint of um, power and and control and influence over the world, not just from the bad guys, but from the good guys as well. Yeah, that's right. So so we'll leave that topic here for today, but you can rest assured that we're going to be diving back into this uh, in, in future podcasts. Listeners, Remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to the digitallife.com. That's just one L in the digital life and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody. So it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward, if you're trying to remember something that you liked. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And, of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at goinvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D. Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. 
or email me dirk at goinvo.com. So that's it for episode 139, The Digital Life. For Dirk Neumeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time.